KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. We are all way too familiar with the impact of a pandemic from the past three years dealing with the COVID 19 virus. But there is another kind of pandemic that's at the center of the hit video game and now TV show, The Last of Us. It's a pandemic driven by a fungus. And of course, in the video game and in the show, it leads to zombies and the collapse of society. So this got us wondering, how much should we be worried about a fungal pandemic? How realistic is it? To be brutally honest, we are actually in a fungal pandemic right now. It's just that it's not affecting humans. That is Dr. Richard Bortnick. He is an associate professor of biology at Delaware Valley University in Doylestown. I'm Matt Leon, and in this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth, we caught up with Dr. Bortnick to learn about the very real fungus that triggers the pandemic in The Last of Us, talk about how concerned we should be about a fungal pandemic, and learn how much of an impact climate change is having on those concerns. So to start, we are all way too well-versed in the idea of a pandemic. But obviously, COVID-19, this was a virus. The show The Last of Us, the game The Last of Us, talks about a, a fungal pandemic or a fungi pandemic. First of all, this is possible. This is something that, that could happen. This is not strictly the work of science fiction. It's not. Uh, to be brutally honest, we are actually in a fungal pandemic right now. It's just that it's not affecting humans. There is a fungus that is a very primitive fungus. It's aquatic fungus that is affecting amphibians, frogs in particular, and now salamanders. We've lost approximately 90 species of them. They've gone extinct. Another 500 or so are affected, populations being decimated up to 90%. David Attenborough has referred to it as the largest mass extinction event in his life. But yes, we are actually seeing these things. It's just that it's not occurring in humans. So we tend not to really pay much attention to it. As humans, should we be worried if not this fungus is the chance of some sort of fungus creating havoc? At the the human level in a, you know, in a pandemic or a widespread outbreak or anything like that? We we should be worried about it. Last year, the World Health Organization went ahead and listed about 19 species of fungi that they are determining to be threatening to large populations' health. There are a number of these that are uh, right now isolated to fairly limited geographic areas. We go ahead and we get valley fever. Uh, It's caused by uh, a fungus, uh, coccidioides. And primarily right now, it's in the southwestern United States. But with global warming occurring, it appears as if its range is starting to expand. So we're going to be seeing a lot of these endemic areas that have fungal infections, and they're going to start spreading. One of the things that came to mind when this topic was broached was how many times have when you were watching TV and you see a drug commercial and they give you all these warnings. And one of the warnings now that you're hearing a lot about is to contact your doctor if you have certain fungal infections. So there's that. Delaware Valley University uh, claim to fame is agriculture. I have a very strong background in it. Uh, One of the things that really worries me in terms of a fungal pandemic is food security. A lot of these are pathogenic to our crops and our livestock, and they are expanding due to climate change. These pathogens are able to go ahead and move into regions where they weren't before. A lot of these are going to be affecting things like wheat, 
and other grain, the staples that we use for our uh, basis of our food. So these warming temperatures are going to go ahead and increase the ability for the fungi to go ahead and start dealing with our crops, taking out our food. Livestock is also going to go ahead and be affected. There are a lot of very common fungi that are referred to as being mycotoxin producers. Uh, the spores actually have a small amount of a toxin. And usually what it does is it will go ahead and affect primarily people outside. But you'll get, you know, hay fever. You'll get, you know, allergic responses, things like that. But they are common enough in our livestock areas where it will affect weight gain of our animals, performance if you're in the equine industry, things like that. So the whole idea of there being a fungal pandemic and it affecting humans is a very real scenario. What would it look like on a grand scale? And obviously that would depend on the type of of fungus and stuff like that. But one of the things I saw was you talked about the food supply and I read an article kind of looking at a lot of this and they, you know, in the show, The Last of Us, I think it gets into the flower supply, and that obviously causes a huge problem. And this expert I saw also talked about if you got tired of wearing a mask indoors, if you had a situation like this, very likely masks would be absolutely necessary outdoors. Kind of lay out for us some real-world things that if we were to see some sort of fungal pandemic, what would it look like day-to-day? Uh, in terms of food, there would be widespread shortages. Right now, we're seeing problems with uh, wheat in a lot of parts of the world just because of what's going on over in the Ukraine, things like that. They're still growing the wheat. It's just not being exported. Uh, if I remember correctly with the game and the uh, TV show, when it came to the flour, the flower was infected with the spores of the fungus, and that's one of the ways people got infected. That is also a very real scenario uh, that has happened. There's a, a fungus that goes and infects grain, ergot. It is thought to be responsible for the Salem witch trials. Uh, one of the things you get from ergot is ergotine, which basically is a precursor to LSD. So that was out there in the food at that time. Moving on with other different types of fungi producing toxins, it would be easy enough for that to go ahead and be found in our food stuffs. So we would be being affected sort of like our livestock. We wouldn't be gaining weight. We wouldn't be functioning optimally. In terms of precautions outside, yes, masks would be uh, pretty much required. Since fungi go ahead and spread by spores, uh, spores are an easy thing to go ahead and inhale, but they're also a very easy thing to go ahead and trap in a mask. When you take a look at that show and the game, the whole thing the fungus was trying to do was to reproduce. So once you get reproduced, then how do you go ahead and get to the next host? That sort of thing. So precautions would be HEPA filters in homes, masks that you'd be wearing out on the streets. A lot more, hopefully, inspections of our foodstuffs to go ahead and make sure that they would not be contaminated. So the the fungus specifically from the game, and please correct me because I'm probably going to butcher this, Ophiocordyceps unilateralis. That well, sounds good to me. That seems to be the one, and it sounds like that's a 
That's a real fungus? Cordyceps are, uh, it's, a, it's a fairly large group, uh, and a lot of these uh, fungi that attack insects, what they do is once they go ahead and uh, infect the insect, they grow throughout the entire body. And just before they're ready to go ahead and release their spores, they somehow take over the organism, you know, the whole idea of the zombie aspect. What they're trying to do is take over innate behavior, behavior that the insect has to somehow get it to a position where it can infect others. So some of these will go ahead and have the infected insect just before it dies move closer to, say, the uh, opening of the den that they're using. Uh, one of the real common ones, it's in a different group. Uh, entomophora uh, group. You may have seen already, sort of on a cold winter day, you're in a cafe or a place that has big giant windows, and on the window, there'll be a, a fly, and around the fly will be a white halo. Those are actually going to go ahead and be the spores of the entomophora, the impusa. So basically, what happens is a lot of these insects just before they die, they will go ahead and crawl up to a high surface and then either use their mandibles and clamp down on the vegetation or they'll somehow fix themselves to that surface. And then once they die, then they will go ahead, have their exoskeletal plates split open, and then the spores rain down on other insects. Overall, the thing about them is they tend to be fairly species-specific. So the one that attacks the housefly is not going to go ahead and attack a spider that sort of thing. So this is terrifying. And it seems to me like what's so terrifying is this doesn't seem crazy that something like this happens to human kind of you've got the fungus out there yes it doesn't affect humans right now but with climate change things are getting weirder and is it completely out of the realm of possibility to see a, a fungus like this that affects insects in this way? eventually jump to humans am i comp i'm not trying to say this is going to happen but right. it doesn't seem like that many ticks away as i think we'd all like to think so we could sleep better tonight from a practical standpoint i don't think that we have to worry about a fungal apocalypse for humans i feel from the butt coming point of view it's a really cool idea because then you have to start thinking well okay if the whole point of the fungus is to infect a human make spores, and then reinfect humans, well, how do you go about doing that in, in a realistic sort of way, rather than having, you know, the face become a, a big giant fruiting body and they come running and attacking you? You know, realistically, how would that work? Because you would have to somehow have the fungus co-op behavior that we already have. One of the ideas that came to mind is something that actually plants use to get fertilized. There's a process called pseudocopulation where the plant looks just like the female. The plant also puts out female pheromones. The male will mate with the flower and then go ahead and pass the pollen on so the plant gets fertilized. Well, if you need to go ahead and have your spores somehow get around a large group of people, how do you do that? And actually, one way would be to go ahead and release pheromones so that people would go ahead and be naturally attracted to an area where there would be the possibility of becoming infected if the spores were in the area, that sort of thing. Another way uh, you can do that, and I think it plays from one of the forms that was in the video game that exploded, is you can go ahead and have the person become infected, and then the fungus can go ahead and start fermenting tissues, cells, and that would generate gas 
And if you generate enough gas, there is the possibility that you could rupture with force and spray bodily fluids with spores and contaminate anybody around who would be coming to your aid, that sort of thing. We need to take a break. We will have more with Delaware Valley University Associate Professor of Biology, Dr. Richard Bortnick, right after this. This is KYW News Radio in depth. And we are back on KYW News Radio in depth, continuing our conversation with Dr. Richard Bortnick, Associate Professor of Biology at Delaware Valley University. So even if it is not a fungus like that creates zombies. But if we do have some sort of a widespread fungus pandemic with COVID-19, one of the things as awful as it was and the loss that we felt, we were able to create things for our arsenal to fight it in an incredibly fast period of time. And once again, this is just from a couple articles I've read and things I've watched. When it comes to fungus, if we have a large scale problem, it seems like we are relatively limited in the tools we have and how far along along the path we are to creating things like anecdotes and vaccines and stuff like that, or am I completely mischaracterizing it? No, not so much that. Uh, It's sort of a a good thing, bad thing. If we do get something that works, chances are for a while it would be fairly stable. Viruses mutate a lot quicker than fungi do. Now, one of the problems, and we're seeing this with a new species of Canada, is they are pretty much resistant to most of our antibiotics. So part of what we would be needing to do is develop a new class of antibiotics or using the technology that we developed with COVID to go ahead and try and come up with new vaccines, new ways of dealing with fungal infections. There is a lot of different therapeutic technologies out there. And just like three years before COVID came, who would have thought that the technology used to make the vaccine would be that readily available that quickly? It would probably be the same thing for a fungal pandemic. Right now, there's not a lot of money really put into fungal diseases because for the most part, there aren't that many. And most of them tend to go ahead and be uh, dermatophytes. They tend to go ahead and affect skin. Disfiguring but not necessarily deadly. There's more money put into fungal as crop diseases and things like that just because of the way we go ahead and put money in terms of research. But if we did actually have a fungus that started affecting humans in a large-scale way, the funding would be there. And again, the technology would move very quickly. Another thing I read as to, you know, you talked about earlier the, the fungus that was affecting amphibians and stuff like that. One of the things that humans have working for us is our body temperature and being warmer than a lot of the other animals and bugs and stuff like that. And that's the reason why uh, we've been able to kind of be a, above the fray when it comes to these large scale fungal act outbreaks. Again, uh, when you go ahead and take a look at some of the information that's been put out by the Centers for Disease Control and the World Health Organization, they recognize that a lot of the fungi that we have are actually going to be able to go and eventually become thermotolerant. So they'll be able to adapt to our body temperatures, especially as the climate itself starts increasing in temperature. So even though our bodies heat prevents a lot of fungal infections, it doesn't prevent all of them. 
And what ends up happening with a lot of the fungi that we have now that actually do invade the human body, they're referred to as being dimorphic. They have two shapes. Outside in the environment, they're a typical fungus. They're a mycelium. They're little tiny threads. Once they get inside the host, they become a yeast. We refer to it as a YM shift. And being a yeast, they're difficult to treat, but also they spread very rapidly. They bud just like yeast do that you would use for bread. So what they're projecting is as we go ahead and start getting an increase in temperature, a lot of fungi will become thermophilic and adapt, and they will adapt to our bodies. Now, whether they go ahead and start shifting into that yeast form, which is fairly common for a large group of fungi, the aspomycetes, they do it readily, so to speak, remains to be seen. But they are looking at this being a real possibility that the fungi are adapting to an increase in temperature. So that would make it easier for them to adapt to us. So with everything we've talked about, when it comes to fungal infection, the concern of a pandemic, food supply, what would be the thing at the top of the list of things that keeps you up at night as far as realistic devastating. What's at the top of the the list of things that scare you with this? In terms of uh, fungi, uh, if I was going to be scared, food security is the biggest one. Right now, worldwide, we have a hard enough time feeding the population as it is. So that's a real issue. On the same side with food security, there is an increase of air pollution that's going on just because we're increasing our numbers. And it's been demonstrated that air pollution in conjunction with climate change is going to go ahead and increase allergies. With climate change, you're going to get an increase not only in temperature, but an increase in humidity. Well, I mean, think about it around your house. Temperature, humidity is just great for molds and mildews. They are producing spores. The spores have the ability to go ahead and cause respiratory issues, things like that. So again, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that going on. And relatively speaking, we're also seeing more and more people become immunocompromised. And all of these are going to go ahead and affect that population. So it is a real issue. So yeah, that's my big worry is actually food worldwide, livestock. Uh, As far as fungal infections of humans go, that isn't that high on my list. But fungi are about, oh, we'll round it off, say about a billion and a half years old. They basically were in the terrestrial environment before the plants got here. They certainly were in the terrestrial environment before animals got here. So they're going to be able to pretty much adapt to anything, including us. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.